All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, what do you need? Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a speaking into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Good morning, Freedom House. Happy New Year. Look at your neighbor. Say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How many of y'all glad for a new year? Come on. Look at, look at your neighbor. Say, New Year, new you. New you. New you. It's going to be a great year. I'm excited about this year. I, I like New Year's. I, I, I enjoy, you know, uh, my wife and I were talking yesterday on our way home from, we went away for a week, and we were just talking about what are our goals, you know, and we have church goals, and we have personal goals, and we have fitness goals and eating goals and all kinds. I mean, we're just goals, just everywhere. Goals, goals, goals. And uh, we went through all of our stuff. It's like two pages of goals. I'm like, I don't know if I can do all this. Can I just pick one? It's a lot of work, you know, when you think about it. But I'm excited. I, I, I'm, I'm excited about what God has for us as a church. And I want to encourage you about one thing is uh, next Sunday, I know you saw it in the preview um, we are starting a seven-day fast, and I want to encourage everybody to participate that, that's a part of Freedom House Church. It's important for you to hit, hit the reset button and do something. Fasting is uh, uh, important because what it does, it's not what we do, it's our connection with God. And when you remove something that's significant to your life, it really opens a doorway for God to walk through and do something. I've noticed that every, every year that I've fasted, and we've been doing it a year now for about 10, 12 years, is something significant happens, uh, not during the fast, but afterwards for sure. And it opens my ears to the voice of God and what he wants me to do personally. And so um, I'd encourage you to do that. I'm going to do a little video this week just explaining what fasting is if you've never participated in it. So make sure you look out for that and uh, really good. We also have a ton of people that are watching from all over the world, Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, North Carolina, El Salvador. Buenos dias, El Salvador. South Carolina, Virginia, Ohio, Louisiana, D.C., and Michigan, and then uh, all the other people that are online watching. We're just so thankful. Can we give it up for them? Thank you so much for being here. When we planned for the beginning of this year, we really wanted to do something that would kickstart your year, and I couldn't think of something better to talk about than prayer. Such an important, vital aspect of our Christian walk. So get your phones out, get something to write on, write on a neighbor, do whatever you need to do to remember what I'm gonna talk about because I'm gonna get very practical today on how to pray. As a matter of fact, the title of this message is When You Pray, When You Pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. I wanna challenge you to begin this year in prayer. Maybe you've never done that before. Matter of fact, when I say prayer, all of us have a, a bunch of different ideas. Some are thinking, when's food? Because that's pretty much the only time we pray is when it's getting ready to eat, you know, right? Some of us are thinking useless. It's unproductive. Don't see a lot of response from it. 
Some of us, when I say prayer, like, not me. I don't wanna do that. I'm nervous. You know, I would never be able to say that. I'll never forget um, this guy named Paul who used to come to our church over at the school. Um, he uh, just got saved. And, he, and I asked him, I said, hey, Paul, would you mind praying? We were having some kind of event. And he goes, absolutely, Pastor Troy, man, I'll pray in a second. So he started praying. He cussed in the middle of the prayer. I was like, amen, you know. At the end, he was like, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I was like, all right, whatever works for you. I don't think God gets nervous about those kind of prayers. You know, he was working through his prayer life. Come on, some of y'all, maybe just not cussing in your prayer would be a good thing for you to walk away with from today. 1 John 5, verse 14, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. Listen to this. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I'm gonna start this message with a statement that may shock you. And I want you to think about this because uh, this will kind of lead us into what I wanna talk about in the, in the sense of taking our prayer life to another level, to, to a, a, a deeper level. And that is God is not committed to our happiness, our satisfaction, or our pleasure. God is committed to his will. Let me say that one more time because this is important when it comes to prayer. And I'm gonna unpack this a little bit. God is not committed let me, let me, let's make it personal, to your happiness, to my happiness. He's not committed to your satisfaction or my satisfaction. He's not committed to your pleasure or my pleasure. God is committed to his will. I was talking to my, my pastor, Pastor Gerald Brooks, who's on our board, and um, he's been in my life for over 20, 25 years, and, uh, 20 years, and he was talking, we were talking about prayer, and he is a man of prayer. A very, very strong man of prayer. Uh, matter of fact, when I get around him and he prays, you ever been around somebody when they pray, you get a little nervous? Like when he prays, I get a little nervous, like Jesus is gonna come back right now. I start repenting in the middle of the prayer, Lord, forgive me of things that I haven't even done. Anybody do that? When, I mean, seriously, like when somebody prays like that, and he, he went through and he gave me the different levels of prayer or where people are in their prayer life. And there's five levels of prayer. See if you can find yourself in these levels of prayer. The first level is 80% of people live here, and this is problem prayer. Problem prayer. 80% of people, they constantly are praying about their problems. Now, here's the problem with problem prayer, is that the devil is directing your prayer life. The reason why we stay in the problem prayer arena is because it's always a problem. And God doesn't cause problems in your life. The enemy does. Or us. <laughs> that was funny anyway. <laughs> For me. <laughs> Sadly, people prayer is reduced down to I'm going through something and I need God. I'm going through something and I need God. I'm going through something. And that's their whole life. Their whole life is problem prayer. That 80%. The second level is 10%. And this is family prayer. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with praying for your problems, and there's nothing wrong with praying for your family, praying for your marriage, praying for your kids. However, 90% of prayers fall into those two categories. That's not very good. We want to go a little bit deeper than that. And the third level of prayer is self-prayer, self-prayer. About 5% of people live here. Praying about things in my life, about me. I need this. What about me? I've got this decision. Should I move here? Should I marry her? Should I date him? Should I buy this house? Should I take this job? Uh, you know, should I take this job and shove it? Whatever, you know, th these are all things that we pray about, about ourselves. 
about 5% of people. So we've covered 95% of prayers fall into those three categories. Are you there? Yeah. Ministry prayer is, the, is about 4% of people fall into this area of ministry. They have recognized, which is a good place to be, that there's a calling on their life, that there's something that they're called to do. They're, they're involved in ministry. They're reaching people. They're serving in their church. They're thinking about outside of themselves, which is really good. Matter of fact, a good thing to do during the fast is maybe spend the next seven days not praying about yourself. That would be hard because we think about ourselves all the time. Ministry prayer, spend time praying about their ministry, what, what they are doing in and through the ministry that's related. But there's a level of prayer that we wanna get to that what, what he calls, what, what we call God's prayer. 1% of people live here, and this is what God wants. Imagine if God came to you and asked you to pray for something. I think that's a whole level, different level of prayer. The problem is, is we can't ask for his will to be established if we're not willing to be a part of the means by which he establishes it. Let me say that one more time. We can't ask for his will to be established if we're not willing to be a part of the means by which he establishes it. In other words, when you decide to get to this level of prayer, then it involves your submitting your will to his will. There's nothing wrong about praying with your need, for your needs and your problems and your family. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for those things. However, prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is all about relationship. That's what it all is. I believe God created prayer, and the Bible is very specific about this, that the reason why we should pray is not just about the stuff. It's not just about going shopping in heaven. It's about relationship, which is what God wants with us, is a relationship with him. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. It's not just me coming into about five or six minutes and go, gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy, and then running out of the place, right? And if your name's Jimmy, forgive me, you know, it just rhymes. So prayer's about relationship. Prayer reveals God's heart in our lives. Prayer illuminates the word of God. Prayer opens us up to the correction of the Holy Spirit. This is what prayer does. Prayer is our daily doorway into the life that God wants for us. And everybody look at me for a second. God really knows what's best for you. He really does. Maybe that's a revelation for you. That God really, he really, really knows what's best for you. Even more than you know. <laughs> and what prayer does is he opens us up to this, this dialogue and we'll talk about that more in a minute. Prayer is allowing God to reach through us into what's next. Prayer is not me getting what I want. It's about me doing what God wants. See, the goal of prayer is very simply to get away from me-centered to God-centered. Now, when we get an understanding of this type of prayer, when we get to this level of prayer, we realize the depth of our relationship with God. And prayer brings us to such a deeper relationship and we receive something that's way better than happiness and satisfaction and pleasure actually 
when we get to this level of prayer, God gives us joy. See, happiness, satisfaction, and pleasure are all based around what's happening to you. Your circumstances, COVID, the country, politics, all of that will determine your happiness, your satisfaction, or your pleasure. But it's the presence of God that deposits joy in our heart. And when joy is present, listen to me, no matter what happens, you can get through it. No matter what happens, no matter what you face, no matter what the devil throws at you, no matter what family challenge, no matter what goes on, when joy is present, it is your strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So I'm able to fight any devil, able to get through any problem, able to walk through any circumstance, no matter what, all the way into heaven. And guess what? There's joy in heaven too. So who can we learn prayer from? I think the best teacher is Jesus. Would you agree? Would you agree? Like Jesus would probably be the best person to learn from prayer. Number one, he's God. Hello. He, he was, you know, he's pretty sinless. Like no sin. So there's no distractions. I mean, he had a, matter of fact, when you look at Jesus's life, you see a lot. And I would encourage you as you're reading through the New Testament. Now, here's a challenge for you, okay? Now this is, I'm gonna give you two challenges. I'm gonna give you the, the big challenge and the little challenge when it comes to God's word at the beginning of this year. The big challenge would be for you to join me in what's called a 30-day shred. Read through the entire Bible in 30 days. That's a big challenge, okay? I'm reading through the entire Bible in 30 days. I do it every year. I've been doing it now for about five or six years. It's a challenge. It is. Now, I know most people think that pastors only work on Sundays. So the rest of the week, I don't really have anything else to do other than read the Bible. So it's pretty easy for me. True, true story. When I, when I hang out with people who are non-church, non-Christians, that's the question they ask me. So what do you do Monday through Saturday? <laughs> true story. I said, that's pretty funny. And, uh, but it's a valid question, honestly. It's a valid question. And so I have to, have to, have to come up with an answer. Um, so talk to me after the service and I'll give you an answer. But here's, here's another 30-day shred. Read through the New Testament in 30 days. So instead of trying to tackle the whole Bible, which is a big deal, you know, because that requires a lot of energy. You might have to get up before 9 a.m. You know, you're probably gonna have to spend a lot more time. In, read, read the Bible in 30 days. Now, here's the, in, read the New Testament 30 days. Here's the interesting thing when you read the New Testament, especially in regards to Jesus, is you find that Jesus prayed pretty much about everything. Now, Jesus didn't have a monologue. He had a dialogue with the Father. So much so that what he said was, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. So Jesus had to be in a position where he was listening to the Father on a regular basis, which is what prayer is. It's the development of that relationship with God. It's like marriage. Like, like if you want to date somebody, if you want to go out with somebody, you got to develop the relationship. You gotta spend some time together. You gotta talk and work it out. I know, man, it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard to be vulnerable and, and talk about your stuff and your past and your issues. But what you're doing is you're developing this connection with God 
You say, well, he knows all that stuff. He still wants to talk to you about it. He often went off and prayed. He would go, he would have a, what I call a battleground moment followed by a holy ground moment. That's what happened all the time with Jesus. He would have a battleground and then he would have a holy ground. He would have a battleground, fight the devil, deal with sickness, and then he'd have a holy ground moment. He'd go away, everybody, where's Jesus? I don't know where he is. Oh, there he is up on the mountain. He's praying again. So that's what would happen. Battleground, holy ground. For most of us, it's battleground, 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 holy ground, battleground, 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 holy ground, battleground, battleground, battleground. And we wonder why we're so tired spiritually. It's because we don't have any holy ground moments. That's what prayer is. He often didn't make, he, he never made a decision without prayer. He spent all night long picking 12 people. Come on, we spend 30 minutes deciding whether we're gonna move to a city or not. Change our entire life, our family, and everything. Jesus spent an entire night before picking his 12 dysfunctional guys. Right? Often what we do is we go to 15 people asking them what their opinion is and then go, oh, let me Google this and then ask God. Look at your neighbor, say, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. When he got baptized, first thing he did, prayed. When he was transfigured, changed, guess what he was doing? Praying. You know, this, if you look around, if you see anything that's going on at Freedom House, this, this church is built on prayer. And not the, the prayer that's happening right now. Matter of fact, what you're seeing right now in our church is a result, I believe, of what happened when we moved to Charlotte in March of 2002. Because what we did, it was just four of us at the time. That's, you know, four with my three kids and my dog, so that would be eight. We, we spent every Tuesday night praying, asking God to tell us what Freedom House was to be. Every Tuesday night, myself, my wife, a guy named Tom, and a young lady by the name of Makita. Both of them moved to Charlotte to help us plant the church. And I said, the first thing we do, before we do anything, before we decide location, before we decide what the service is gonna be, before we decide vision, we're gonna spend a few months praying every Tuesday night together. Because I wanna get an idea. What would happen is we would pray and then God would speak to us and we would write stuff down. I saw this building before, back in 2002. Saw it all as a result of prayer because God was dropping his will for Charlotte through Freedom House Church into our laps. And that's exactly what he'll do. So how can we learn from Jesus? Well, Jesus unpacks a very important passage in the Sermon on the Mount about prayer. And I wanna read it to you and then we're just gonna kinda walk through it together practically. Look at Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse five. Look, look at the screen behind me. It says, and when you pray, everybody say when you pray. Not if, but when. So today's the day you start praying. Okay, don't, it's not, I'll wait till tomorrow. You're gonna start praying right now. This is, your, this is your time to start a dialogue with God. 2022 is a new relationship of prayer with you and God, amen? Y'all raise your hand if you say that's me, I'm doing that. All right, good deal. All right, about half of you. All right. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, Remember, this is in red. Jesus is talking. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse six, but you, when you pray, everybody say, when you pray, 
go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse seven, and what does it say? When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. In this manner, in this way, one translation says, this is how you do it. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, all the Baptists. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Good job, Baptists, all right. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, let's unpack this. This is the master talking to us about when you pray. So when you pray, and he gives us a really short dial, just a, just a few minutes of how to pray. Now, if this is coming from Jesus, I'm gonna listen up. He knew how to do it. In three and a half years, he changed the world. Come on, imagine if we can get a hold of this. So here's the first thing. Prayer, first thing he says, is that prayer is authentic. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, the word hypocrite means actor. All actors are liars. Don't get offended. That's, what they, that's their job. Their job is to lie, to be someone that they're not, right? On television, I'm not making, if you're an actor, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just, if you're good at your job, you're a good liar. That's what he's talking about. He says, this is, don't be like that. Don't, don't be a pretender. And the reason he said this is because in, in this time, in this culture, they had set aside three different times, the Jewish culture, three different times to pray, 9, 12, and 3 p.m. And what would happen is the Pharisees, the religious people, on their way to pray, here's what would happen. They would be walking to prayer. They would stop on the corner and and to be seen by everybody, they would just start praying. They're basically saying, I'm so excited about prayer. I can't wait till I get there. I'm gonna start now. And they'd start just praying out loud, not for the purpose of connecting with God, but for the purpose of showing how spiritual they were. That's why Jesus said they get their reward. You know what their reward was? Attention. They're, 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 and that's, that's the role of an actor is to get attention. They were trying to be famous in their own right. Jesus said, don't be like them. That's not the purpose of prayer. Prayer is authentic. It's genuine. Then he goes on to say, and when you pray, go in your room. Prayer is intimate. That doesn't mean you can't pray in public. It doesn't mean that you can't pray out loud in front of other people. But Jesus is saying that if we wanna go from, from this seeking of happiness, pleasure, and satisfaction to God, I want your presence and I want joy, then I have to understand that there, there is a time where I need to pull myself away from all the distractions of the world and put myself in a place where it's just me and you. So he says, I want you to go into your room, your secret place. To do what? To remove all the distractions. Put my phone over on the side. Not on vibrate, but leave it outside the room. Okay, and, and get alone. Now, this is hard for us. We, most of us can last maybe about three minutes. And then we're like, I'm really antsy. 
So it doesn't happen overnight that you can spend 25, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour sitting in the presence of God. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to develop that skill. It's a skill of settling your mind down to where you can connect with God. He says, Jesus said, shut the door. Remove the distractions. Jesus often withdrew from the crowds. You can pray anytime, but Jesus is saying you have to put you have to put some intentionality in a place and a location. Do you have one of those places? For some of us, we drive to work every day. Instead of listening to the news and getting all jacked up, turn it off. Hello. And just spend some time with God. I got kids, you know, and they get up at the crack of dawn. Well, maybe you have to stay up a little bit later. Or maybe, for me, I have, I have a room that I go to, my office, and it's my spot. I've always had one of those spaces. And for me, when my kids were younger, I just get up before them. That was my, my deal. So I would always get up earlier than them. And so my kids would wake up, and they'd always find me in my room, praying, reading the Bible. That was my space to connect with God. I did it every day, for the most part. There were some days where I didn't make it, but most of the time, I was there. 85, 90% of the time, that's where I was. Now that I've almost got all my kids out of the house, amen. <laughs> now my house becomes that room. Hey amen, it's awesome. But I still go in my office because that's like my spy, space. I have intentionally created a space where when I get there, everything shuts down. It's, I practiced it. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus is saying. Prayer is authentic. Prayer is intimate. And then he says, when you pray, everybody say, when you pray. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Prayer is repeating but not repetitive. Jesus is teaching us to pray repeatedly but not repetitively. Prayer is consistent. It's consistent. Saying the same words over and over again, they don't get the attention of God, just so you know. Okay, saying the same thing over and over again is not what God calls consistent. What gets the attention of God? Relationship and faith. What gets the attention of God? Relationship and faith. Your relationship with God is what draws him to you. Do you have a relationship with God? Now, I'm not talking about coming to church for an hour and 15 minutes. I'm talking about a relationship with God. That comes through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we receive by faith. It's all built around faith. So this is important because sometimes you're gonna pray. Let me say it again. Most of the time you're gonna pray and you're not gonna feel anything. And listen, church, that doesn't matter because it's not built on your feelings. Hello? I'm married. I've been married almost 30 years. Honestly, sometimes doesn't feel good. Sometimes I don't feel anything. I'm still married though. My wife will kill me if I leave her. Matter of fact, I told her, I said, if she leaves me, just tell me where she's going because I'm coming with her. <laughs> so my point is, is that don't think just by repeating something over and, and that's what Jesus is saying. Prayer is consistent. Consistent what? Relationship and faith. Repetition often loses heart. An example of this is um, when in 1 Kings chapter 18, there's a story of Elijah 
and the prophets of Baal. Because this is exactly what Jesus was talking about in regards to relationship with idols versus relationship with, with God. Is these people would come to these idols and they would just repeat the same thing over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, hoping that the idol would respond. Their little G God would respond to them. And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 that's not how it works. That's because back then, if you remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophets of Baal all day long, they screamed out to Baal and Asherah trying to get fire to come down and, and nothing was happening and they were cutting themselves and they were dancing around and they were doing all this craziness to try to get their God to show up. And then Elijah goes, y'all done yet? Seems like your God's asleep. Like, what's up? And so then he walks up and here's what he goes. He goes, God, you're the Lord of heaven. And that was it. And fire came down. Read the story. Licked up all the water. And, I mean, it just rocked their world. Why? Because Elijah had a relationship with God. And he used faith. It had nothing to do with the repetition of words. So, prayer is intimate. Prayer is authentic. Prayer is consistent. What if we became less like customers and more like children when it came to our prayer life? What if we became less like customers and more like a child? So, verse 9 This, then, is how you should pray, or the manner or style. So Jesus now is gonna give us a roadmap on how to pray. This is awesome, a track. He gives us little GPS waypoints that we can stop at in order to make sure our prayers are based on relationship and faith. This is where we get the Lord's Prayer. Now, I know Most of our relationship with the Lord's Prayer is saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Amen. Let's go home. Doxology. But the truth of the matter is, that was not the goal of Jesus making this statement. His goal was not for you to repeat this prayer. Now listen to me. Everybody look at me. Listen to me. I'm not saying that you can't repeat it. But the point of the prayer was not to repeat it. The point of the prayer was that Jesus was giving us a roadmap on how to pray. He said, when you pray, this is how you do it. This isn't what you say, this is how you say it. Are you following me? Big difference between what and how. So if that is what Jesus, and the reason this is proved out is because, do you know where the other time Jesus is mentioning this? Luke chapter 11. Whole different environment, whole different situation. Matter of fact, his disciples come to him and say, hey, hey, Jesus, I see you're really good at this. You're a good prayer. Will you teach us how to do it? And then he launches into this. Read it, Luke chapter 11. It's different than Mark chapter, I mean, Matthew chapter six. Why? Because Jesus was not giving us a, this is what you do, just how you say it. If you wanna pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth. He wasn't talking about that. He was giving us a roadmap on how to pray. Five different waypoints that you can pray through in your own personal life. You ready for them? By the way, they all start with P because I'm cool. All right, verse nine, he says, this is how you should pray. How, not what. When you pray, this is how you do. The first waypoint is position. Write this down, position, because this will lead you through your prayer. If you wanna know how to get alone with God, authentic, intimate, consistent prayer life, 
Then Jesus tells us, this is what you do when you get to that place. This is how you do it when you get to this place. And he gives us five different waypoints that we can walk through. The first is understanding our position and God's position. Position. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It all starts with the Father. Now, this is unique because nobody, let me say it again, no one had referred to God as a father until Jesus. Nobody. Everybody called him Lord, God, Yahweh, Master, but nobody had brought God into a relational position. Are you following me? This is so important when it comes to prayer because we're not coming to this God who sits on a throne waiting to slap us upside the head. We're coming to a father. We're coming to a father. That is his position. That is his, Jesus came for one reason and one reason alone, to repair the relationship between us and our father. Now, why is this so difficult for us? Because most of us have never had a good example of a father. Now, if you're a dad, I want all the dads to listen to me. The most important thing that you can do as a father is display what it looks like for your kids to have a relationship with God. Why? Because how good of a father you are is gonna determine how good they see God as a father. Now you say, you go, that's a lot of pressure. Amen. It is some pressure. And guess what? You were built to carry it. Come on, ladies, help me out a little bit there. Yeah, Some of you are excited about that. You were built to carry it. Wasn't your wife's job to carry that? Not, no, it wasn't her job. That's why the enemy attacks Ben so hard. Because if he can steal your ability to transfer that kind of relationship, he has done the very first thing that God, that Jesus said is the most important thing when it comes to our, our relationship with God. Our prayer life is that God is our father. He's our father. Here's, what, here, here's the way the writer of Hebrews said it in chapter 10. Verse 19, he says, and now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. So Jesus is our, our blood brother. God is our father, and he welcomes us. God welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to God. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience, and now we are clean 
unstained and presentable to God inside and out. So now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Isn't that great? Isn't that fantastic? We have a father. So going into prayer, the first thing, God, you're my father who art in heaven. That that speaks of his sovereignty. Hallowed be your name. Name speaks of character, authority. So we've got relationship. We've got sovereignty. We've got we've got um, authority and character. So right off the beginning, we've got all the bases covered when it comes to our relationship with God. Then the second thing he says is, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." The second is priority. What's my intention? It starts with God being in His rightful place. You're my Father. Now, Jesus gets to our priorities. It's not about me. It's about the Father and his will. The moment that you exchange your will for God's will, God's voice gets louder. Let me say it again. The moment that you exchange your will for God's will, God's voice gets louder. That's why Jesus made this statement. I'm almost done. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. And then what, he'll, what will he do? Remember? And all these things shall be added unto you. What did that involve? The stuff that I want. Stuff that I need. But it comes with seeking first the kingdom of heaven. Number one. So position, priority. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Because forgive us our debts. And those that have sinned against us. This is declaring my dependence on God or provision. So we got position, we got priority, remember all P's, and then provision. Give us, forgive us, and help us. Give us, forgive us, and help us. God, give us our daily bread. What does that mean? That means that, God, I'm dependent upon you. You're gonna take care of my needs. You know what I need, and you're gonna take care of them. So I don't have to spend all my time, energy, and effort on asking you to give me, give me, my name's Jimmy, because you already know what Jimmy wants. <laughs> give us, forgive us, help us. Prayer is about releasing, not holding on to. It's releasing our, our cares, releasing our needs, releasing our sins, releasing our regrets, releasing people that have hurt us. Come, anybody, anybody ever been mean to you? Release them. Don't let them hold you back from a connection with God. Provision, give us this day. And then, here, here's, I'm almost done. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In, order, in other words, protection. A better translation of lead us, because God never leads you into temptation, a better translation would be, don't leave us in temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. Because it's the enemy who tempts you. Everybody's tempted. Anybody that says they're not tempted are being tempted right then. By pride. <laughs> right? Everybody's tempted. All of us are. We're all frail. We all have a humanity we have to deal with. And so... so when we come to God, we're praying, God, don't leave us in this temptation. Now, remember, here's the thing. Position, priority, 
provision, protection. You can spend all of your prayer time just in the position part. You could spend all of your prayer time in the priority part. That's where, you, that's where you find out what God's will is for your life. You could spend all of your time in, your, in the provision part. You could spend all of your time in the protection part. But it all comes down to what Jesus says last. And this is power. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In other words, who can make this happen? God alone. That's why Jesus always honored God, always honored the Father. And who who he was and what his role was in executing his will. And when we become a vessel for God's will and God's kingdom to flow through, nothing can hold you back. Then when you pray, mountains fall down. When you pray, devils have to flee. When you pray, Sickness has to go. When you pray, the enemy runs for his life. When you pray, your marriage is healed. When you pray, your finances change. When you pray, when you pray, God's power comes into your life. That's why Jesus said, as he was leaving, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Why? Because now you have this relationship with the Father. Position, priority, right? Provision, protection, and power. Let's stand on our feet, and I want to just close today with just praying. Let's just pray. Close your eyes. Father, you are God in heaven. We love you. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that we can come and just worship you today. Thank you that we can come and just love on our Father. Thank you, Father, for just coming and wrapping your arms around us. Some of us, God, have never experienced the love of a Father, and today we can experience. God, I pray that not one person walks out of this room without listening, maybe watching online, and they've never experienced. God, I pray that they would experience the love of the Father. A Father's just embrace a father's attention, a father's uh, uh, affection, a father's love, a father's connection, God, I pray that they, we, we would experience right now. And because of that connection, Father, we know that your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in our marriage. Your kingdom come in our family. Your kingdom come in our job. Your kingdom come in our schools. Your kingdom come in our city. Your kingdom come in our nation. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in our churches. Your kingdom come in Freedom House. Your kingdom come in our hearts, God. Your kingdom come. God, I submit my will to you. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. And God, give us today our daily bread. We are dependent upon you, Father. We need you more than ever before. God, provide like you do. Be the Jeho- be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And God, encircle us. Father, I pray for our family members, our friends that are sick right now, God, that you would surround them with a hedge of protection. God, you would do something significant in their life right now and bring healing. Leave us not in temptation. Father, we, we thank you that addictions are broken off of people because, God, you're not going to leave us in that temptation. You've made a way of escape for us, and Father, we thank you for that. And God, there's only one person that can do this, and that's you. 
because all the power, all the glory is yours. So we honor you. Come on, lift your hands. We honor you today in this room. We honor you today in this year. We honor you today in our life, God. We honor you and we love you and we bless you and we worship you and we love you, Father. You're magnificent. You are wonderful. You're our way maker, God. You do everything for us. And Father, by faith, we come to you right now because of the blood of Jesus. We love you, Lord. Keep those hands lifted. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, just right now, all you gotta do is pray. Just talk to God. Develop that relationship. All you have to do is pray, God, be my Father. I believe it in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus came and died for me. Just say it. All you got to do is say it out loud. I believe that Jesus died for me. His blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. I want a relationship with you, Father. I want to begin it today. All you gotta, just say it out loud. Just say it. Just pray it. That's, that's why God gave you that power to pray it. You can pray it out loud right now. We love you, Lord. We're so thankful. When we pray, everything changes. Father, we make a commitment to pray. We make a commitment right now to seek your face, to see your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Come on, come on, praise him.